Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. So do the markets finish out like you wanted them to? I know there's a little bit of frustration as, as we look at the negative that we see on the screen today. But really, there's some interesting factors that are kind of feeding into this. And the word cancellation isn't something we've had in our market vocabulary in really a long time as we find out details talking with brian split today he's with agmarket.net so to start out i mean there's some emotions that seem to be tied to the way we saw the grain markets trade today there is uh you know every thursday we get a uh, recap of the previous week's export sales and uh, so we did have the uh, the export sales this morning disappoint uh and there was a couple of factors that led to that. Uh, number one, there was actually some reductions um, of previous purchases by both China and Unknown. And so China had reduced uh, previous purchases of soybeans by uh, 1.7 million bushels, and then uh, Unknown reduced uh, purchases by 11.1 million bushels. So there was nearly a 13 million bushel reduction. Uh, however, the net of the week was still a positive uh, just over 6 million bushels. And so that is still about three times what we need to sell on a week-to-week basis through the end of the marketing year to hit the USDA's current goal. So while there were cancellations within the um, the uh, the data, uh, the net is still uh, a friendly bias to me that we are still selling beans and we are not seeing net cancellations on the week. Uh, I think the other uh, thing here that made the the sales look maybe worse than they needed to was the fact that um, the pre estimates of what these exports might look like there was some really high estimates uh, of over a million tons on the upper end um, and that really no one really should be looking for sales that big especially in a, in weeks where we haven't seen any actual day to day confirmed sales on the eight am wires so um, why some entities out there thought we would see that much done uh, this week in soybean sales, I don't know. Uh, we shouldn't really be looking for sales over a million tons to really through the rest of the marketing year at this point. Uh, even 500,000 tons in a week is, is going to be a big number. Uh, but I think that pre-report uh, estimate made the numbers really look worse than they needed to. Um, so then you focus on to the weather situation right now, and there's some mixed signals going on there. Uh, some weather entities reporting uh, the addition of some rain in the forecast for Argentina, while others actually raise the risk for Argentina. And, and it all seems to be uh, dependent on which of the models, whether it's the GFS or the European model that you're putting more uh, weight into. Uh, right now, the GFS is definitely has a wetter bias for Argentina. The European model is drier. Uh, one of the individuals that I follow for weather that I subscribe to, he has a blend where he's using 25% GFS and 75% European because the European has been more accurate as of late, uh, which still leads him to raise his risk. So depending on who you follow and how you're interpreting the data, that'll also give you a little bit of a, a different bias on whether you're looking at the weather forecast as bearish soybean values or bullish soybean values. We've heard a lot of, you know, discussion, a lot of video and pictures coming out of both Argentina and Brazil showing the frustration that these these growers are having to deal with. And the big delays in the soybean harvest is going to cause some some big issues down the road for this Safrina corn crop, don't you think? Right. So you touched on a couple issues there, both South American issues, but we've got Argentina and then we've got Brazil. So 
Um, the uh, Buenos Aires Grain Exchange, they just um, had their Argentine corn at 30% good to excellent, which is actually up from 24% last week. Uh, however, they reduced their soybean crop to just now 15% good to excellent, and that's down from 19% last week. So uh, we're still looking as, as the current crop conditions are, are declining. Uh, we do trade futures, so that's why you know the market knows that there's a problem down there and knows that the crop has gone backwards. So we're still putting a lot of weight on what the forecast looks like uh, moving forward, and that's, again, depending on which model you're looking at. Uh, as far as Brazil, we've had some recent estimates that the general size of their crop, the whole crop, is going to be moving higher. Um, I think recent estimates uh, from some other analysts uh, as high as 136 million tons. Um, but within Brazil, we've definitely seen some areas where it's been too wet. It's delayed harvest. There's going to be some quality concerns on the on the wet crop. Um, we were looking at some pictures a few days ago from the Tocantins uh, state, and, and and it looks like we could see some reductions there because of too much rain. The pods are splitting open. We're seeing it sprout in the pod. But there's other areas where we're seeing tremendous yields. Um, so I think right now the bias is that the uh, overall production in Brazil might uh, on soybeans be steady to slightly higher here, uh, but we are still running into that um, problem, of, uh, like you mentioned, of a delay in plantings of the Safrina corn crop. So um, that is going to be potentially partially offset by the increase in the Argentine conditions. Uh, but by and large, I think what it is going to do is it's going to create another timing issue. Uh, we saw how the uh, delay in, in soybean plantings made some of these soybeans spread strong until we got closer to the harvest. Uh, I think you could probably see that in, in corn where we continue to see the corn spreads trade firm. So you know, May will trade strong versus July. May and July will trade strong versus the December. Uh, if we continue to see these um, these concerns about uh, Safrina corn uh, delays persist. And does that add any pressure? I mean, we look at China they go to South America to get these beans. Is there going to be quality concerns that China's keeping an eye out on? Uh, most definitely. The problem is uh, even if they have concerns about beans, who else can they get them from? Uh, we've already shipped a tremendous amount of these soybeans that we have sold and, and committed. Um, and while we do have beans left, there's not a lot left. So they're going to have to take those soybeans regardless of whether they like the quality or not. Um, what it may do, and, and this is something that we'll be monitoring in the weeks moving forward. More coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue the conversation with Brian Split. He is with agmarket.net. So we were leaving. We were kind of talking about everything that was happening globally with, with the weather. But let's look at the dollar index here in the U.S. As you look at this head and shoulders, a top coming, what are some things that our, our producers are really going to need to keep an eye out for, Brian? So when we're watching the dollar index, uh, we have, as you had mentioned, a potential head and shoulder type of a formation. Uh, this would suggest that if it verifies that the dollar index should see another leg lower. And so um, right now we're interacting with what would be the neckline of this formation, meaning that uh, we made some lows in late January and then we made some lows in mid-February a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're interacting with those lows. That would be the neckline of this pattern. 
If we can get some solid closes below this area, uh, start uh, consistently closing below 90 on the dollar index, that would confirm the pattern. That would suggest that the dollar index should measure down to about 88.50. Now the January lows were at 89.16, so I do think just the act of taking out the January low would uh, lend some credence to some of what the big institutional money is talking about. Uh, your Goldman Sachs, your J.P. Morgan's talking about how money, um, you know, could be coming out of the stock market here and then going into the commodity markets. So today you have the Dow down nearly 500 points. You have the Nasdaq down 400 points, which as a percentage is is uh, very significant. And so are we starting to see this where if the stock market really starts to come under some pressure, have we priced in everything good about the economic recovery? Are we, if, if we get this, this 1.9 trillion stimulus bill passed, is it a buy the rumor, sell the fact? Will we start to see the stock market roll over again? There's a lot of money there. If it comes into commodities, uh, we could see another boost. And I think the dollar would be a big part of that. So you look at the uh, the dollar, and it makes me think energy, especially with what we've seen as of late with the storms of last week. I found it interesting, as you and I were talking during the commercial break, we look at the energy markets, and if we compare from a year ago to where we are today, things are starting to brighten up. Yes. Um, so I think right now the leader is the uh, Arbob market. That is the um, the unleaded gasoline, okay? And when you look at Arbob futures, we made a high in January of 2020, and that was actually the high for the whole year, right before COVID. Um, that high was at about $1.80 a gallon, okay? Um, now, unleaded gas, the Arbob futures, are currently on a front month basis around $1.90. So, Arbob is actually trading above the highest price from last year, and I think that's very significant. Um, now, your heating oil, which is going to be your diesel fuel equivalent, we're getting close. Um, we had the highest price uh, last year was right around $2.12 a gallon, and we're sitting here uh, right around $1.90 a gallon. Um, so I would like to see what to me uh, is a sign of more the uh, industrial demand for fuel. Um, so it looks like the consumer demand for fuel is right back to where it was. We're seeing everybody driving and life is getting back to normal. Maybe we can't have as many people in restaurants and we still have this silly thing on our face every time we have to go out of our house, but, um, but people are out and about and we're using the product. So then we look at crude oil and I think that people really think about and focus on when they're talking about energies. And so we're at a really, really important level right now. So think all the way back to 2008 when we had a high of $147.27 a barrel. And then we had some highs that were made back in 2013 and 2014 on the way down. This is your long-term downtrend um, from, the, from the record highs. We are interacting with that downtrend right now. And so just above that downtrend is going to be the high from last year, from 2020, which was $65.65 a gallon. So again, we already said that Arbob has taken out its 2020 highs. In order for us to have a commodity cycle, we need energies to be involved. And if this crude oil can take out this downtrend and take out last year's highs and get above roughly $65 a barrel, and right now the front month is around 63.50. okay, so we're close, 
that would be very significant. And I think that in conjunction with a potential dollar breakdown would be something that is going to bring more money into the commodity markets as a whole. Lots of things to think about, and especially as we watch um, mothballing continue for some of these ethanol plants, it's nice to see some positives coming this way. It is, and there's been some really interesting things going on with the ethanol plants here. The price of natural gas, uh, I think some of the ethanol plants sold some natural gas back into the market instead of using it to produce ethanol. They were able to make a quick buck that way. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? You can reach me directly at 815-665-0463. You can reach anybody at the agmarket.net team at 844-4AG-MARKET, so 844-424-6758. Check us out online at www.agmarket.net. And uh, my Twitter handle is at BJ Split. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.